Good afternoon. Good day, everybody. Uh, this is Robin. We have Rick. And this is actually a trifecta collaboration of Decolonize Buffalo, Wounded Podcast, as well as the Little People Paranormal Podcast, which is my new podcast. And so what we're going to be discussing today is something that's not always openly discussed, and we want to be able to put a disclaimer on this. And a lot of it is we're not here to offend anybody, or and we're definitely not here to reveal any um, deep cultural significances that, you know, should not be revealed, that I know a lot of uh, Indigenous and tribal people do not want some of these things talked about. So we're going to try to keep the surface or at least stick to our own personal um, experiences or things that we know have been publicly or openly already uh, spoken of. Mm-hmm. But yes, those little people who uh, like to torment, you know, us big people sometimes or us humans or are here to teach us lessons, uh, we don't always talk about them. Sometimes we're told not to talk about them. Uh, they come in many different forms. They come with many different names from around the world. Uh, indigenous people acknowledge them as teachers. They acknowledge them as tricksters. They acknowledge them as sometimes bad entities. But a lot of the times they just like to mess with us. So we want to be able to uh, let these little people know that we honor them, that we respect them, and that we respect cultures around the world that have them. We are not here to talk bad about them. But Nonetheless, does that uh, sway our curiosity about them or our understanding of what they are trying to teach us? So that is our episode today. And if we can get our guests to introduce ourselves, uh, introduce themselves and talk a little bit um, about who they are and kind of what their experiences are. Hi, my name is Wendelin Perez. Um, hello, brothers and sisters. Um, I am one of the hosts of Wounded Podcast, and um, we've, we've covered this episode before a little bit. We kind of talked about our own experiences as well, because we know how taboo we can be. <laughs> but you know us. We love, that, we love that spooky stuff. Give it to me. And it's always nice to have it come from a Native perspective and a Native conversation rather than hear it, you know, through a white lens that might not understand the complexities of our spirits and our guides. Mm-hmm. And so my experience, oh, are we going straight into my experiences or actually let Paulina Polly speak? Uh, let's have our other guests introduce themselves and then you guys can uh, both go in and talk about your experiences. Okay, perfect. Oh, okay. Uh, everyone for uh, having us here today. Paulino. Uh, my name is Paulino. Uh, I'm the other uh, host of Wounded Podcast. Um, I am Chodipi Maya from Central America, specifically the land now known as El Salvador. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to, to talk about this episode. It was one of our first, uh, I think our very first like spirit case we did for our podcast and uh even when we did it we were like recording in the daytime and like we put tobacco down and <laughs> you know we were doing it all to keep ourselves safe so i'm excited to talk about this with y'all thank you um you Wendell, do you want to talk about your experiences or your what you want to share 
Yeah, yeah, it'd be awesome. So I, first of all, I want to start out with saying that Robin's a smart one because she's driving currently. <laughs> and so she's not at her home and her place of location where she sleeps. So that's, that's been my biggest thing when I recorded these episodes. It was like always in my bedroom and I was like, but... Literally sitting on your bed. Are we allowed to curse in this podcast? Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Fuck. Like, this is wild. Um, but let's start off with my experience. So... As I said, I'm Quechua. I'm Quechua from Peru. I was born in the city of Lima, but my grandparents come from Tauca and Jauja, which are villages up in the mountains. So when we came to the United States around the early 2000s, specifically when I was like around seven years old in 2001, 2002, um, we moved into this apartment complex where me and my four siblings and my mother lived. It was a very tiny place. And one day when my sister's coming home from high school, my mother decides to leave her with my baby brother. He was four at the time. And she decides to put him down for a nap because she's come from school. She's mm-hmm. like chilling, living her life. And she says she has a dream. In this dream, there is a little person. Um, I would say no bigger than maybe a foot. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of them. She says that she's walking with them for a while. And then all of a sudden, they just stop. And they turn to look at her and say, hey, we want your brother. And she says, what do you mean? Like, that's my brother. And she's like, no, we want to take him. We're going to take him with us. And so she essentially starts to fight them and say, no, you can't take him away. He's my baby brother. In this dream, in this fight, she wakes up, startled, turns to look for my brother. He's not there. Instead, my brother, who's four, is sitting at the foot of the bed. And turns to look at her and says, they're trying to take me. That's scary. My mom and I, yeah, terrifying. I can only imagine. And it's it's truly an an interesting phenomenon because it was so terrifying, not only the story, but the belief of it, right? Where, like, we're in, like, a Western society, we're taught to think of, like, fairy tales or just ideas of stories for kids, right? Uh, These are stories our parents teach us so that we don't, like, stray away at night. But my mother, who we, we were undocumented at the time, was so afraid that within that week we were gone. We left that apartment. Mind you, we were undocumented. She had four kids by herself. And somehow this woman left the apartment to secure rent because she was like, this is too much. Yeah. Ooh. So I, in our culture, they're called duendes. And they live in, specifically in my culture, they live in fig trees, hmm. um, which are, I say fig in Spanish. Eagle, no? Eagle. And so outside that bedroom window, there was a fake tree. And so my mom said that they lived there. And that's where we were at. We were gone by at the door. So do you think that maybe those were the little people of the the area? Or were they like the little people from your area like followed? Mm. Now, see, that's terrifying, Robin. Why would you bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just wondering. <laughs> They pre-selected my brother before he came from the border, and they were like, (laughs) (laughs) they hid in my shoes and were like, well, we're going. Let's go to a new land. (laughs) I wonder. That's a good question, though. Like, what do you think? Have you ever thought about that? It's really interesting because I would assume there would be the little people of that land, Mm. but yet at the same time, they, what's it called? It it was that fake tree that my mom said that that's where Mm. they lived. So it was really interesting to see sort of these two cultures kind of mesh together. Right. And it's also, it brings into that idea, right? 
just as people immigrated or were brought here against their will, as just as like trees were brought in, like animals were brought in, became involved. I wonder if spirits, you know, also followed with them. Mm-hmm. That would be that's such a really interesting thing. Mm. Paulina, do you want to share your stories? Thank you for that, Wendelin. Yeah, I'll go ahead and share. Um, something I just thought of real quick. I wonder if perhaps our belief in them, they manifest as ways that we grew up to know them, you know? Um, but that's just a thought I had. Um, but basically, uh, I, I experienced, you know, what we would call... We also call them duendes in Spanish, um, but in Chorti, they're called Ugum. Um, and they have actually mixed. So like the kind of Maya we are, we are the southernmost Maya of the Maya region. And so we have some cultural influence from like the Bibil, but also like the, Shenk, the Shinka and the Lenka people. Um, but specifically the Bibiles are a Nahua group uh, that came to El Salvador from like central Mexico in the 1200s. Um, and when they came, they brought uh, their language and the we have like a leader of our little people, I guess. And um, his name is the Cipitio. And Cipitio comes from Cipipit, uh, which is of course like uh, in the Nahuatl language. Um, I believe it means like the like the small one, almost like the like the big child or something, because our little people aren't that little. Um, the Cipitio himself is like four feet tall um, and his feet are backwards um, and he wears like a big straw hat and he's usually naked. Um, and basically, you know, I grew up with stories of his more specifically, like when my family and I, I grew up here in Florida. But when we would have like little bonfires in the backyard, my dad would always say, oh, cover the like the embers and the, the logs with sand when you're done. Because if you leave hot ashes, the cipitio comes and he, he wants to eat the ashes. Basically, he likes to eat the hot ashes out of the, the fire. Um, and, you know, for me, that was more of just like, a, oh, it's something my dad tells me, whatever. And then the first time I went to my my village, it's like this little caseria, which is like a group of like, you know, five or six houses outside of the main town or village. Um, and the first time I went, I was like 16. And I remember like a few nights, it started getting really, really hot. And so we would sleep outside in the hammocks. And, um, you know, we were all in our hammocks. And my grandparents' house is literally just a, a clearing big enough for their house in the middle of the rainforest, right? So it's very dense uh, trees all around. And I noticed one night all these like blue lights. And at first I thought they were fireflies, but as I'm really looking at them, they were like almost signaling to each other, like in flashes. And then at other times of the night, they would be following each other, almost like a trail of like torches. And throughout the night, like I was low-key, I was freaking out. I was panicking. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) what is in there? (laughs) You know, this is my first time in the rainforest like this. And I was really afraid and I remember just being in my hammock like freaking out and all night all night long like all the dogs are barking and causing a fuss over by the by the tree line and finally the next morning like I asked my my dad and my auntie like what was that and they kind of laughed about it and like they very like flatly told me that it was the the duendes the little people and uh if they're walking in a line like that they're probably walking behind the cipitio he was probably leading them somewhere probably to like look for ashes or whatever. Um, 
And that was, like, my my one and only, I believe, like, genuine encounter with them, like, seeing them. And for us, they aren't necessarily, like, tricksters, I guess. They're more so, like, they just kind of exist, you know? Like, they're spirits that live alongside of us. And sometimes they steal from us, sure. But mostly, they'll just kind of freak us out if we see them. Thank, yeah, thank you for that. You know, um, so this is, you know, how... Well, I guess I'll share my story. You know, I uh, I don't know... You know, I have several of them, so I want to share the most recent one, I guess. Um, so I worked. The reason one, Ricardo, you had many. <laughs> Hold up. Yes. <laughs> so I work. I work nights, right? So I come mm-hmm. home, and then you know, when I when I come home, my wife's waking up, and the kids are getting ready for school. It's, it's remote school, so they go to school. They go to school upstairs with my wife. She's also you know, medical school. So she's, there's a, a study room upstairs <clears throat> and I was going to sleep or f- trying to fall asleep. And I, <clears throat> and I hear running in, in, the, in my room mm-hmm. downstairs and I'm like, Oh man, my son. Oh no. So I was like, <sighs> I told my wife, I texted her. I was like, Hey man, like you're gonna, get, you're gonna keep him upstairs. He's like running in the room and I can't sleep. And she was like, he's here with me the whole time. <laughs> I was oh, like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I was like, and this is this is was and the reason why I think it's little people because I I, I had to be talking about them for a while because I, you know, doing research about them and I I'm writing a comic so like one of the characters is a little person right, so I've been talking mm-hmm. to a lot oh, of different people and different tribes and somebody that's in the Comanche tribe too, so you know, I was like. This is when that happened. That day that happened, that wasn't the first day. It was like constant, like for like a good month, right? And I, I just, you know, when my wife told me that, I was like, you know what? It's it's them. You know, it's little people. Mm-hmm. Like if you can take something, take it. I don't care. <laughs> you know, like, um, <laughs> you know, like you misplace something, whatever. Like I know you're there. It's cool. Like and I went to sleep. So, <clears throat> you know, it was um. Excuse me. <clears throat> um. But, you know, that's one thing that I noticed is that is super taboo when it comes to Native people. Some people, Native people, when, you, when I tell them or when I'm talking to them about it, they completely, like, go silent, right? And they, they say, right. like, yeah, we don't want to talk about this, but give me one second. But, <clears throat> but, um, I, but the little people's stories is not about just the native people in the, you know, in, in the North America or South America, it's all over the world. It's the same with Bigfoot, right? So there's Bigfoot stories all over the world. There's little sto- little people stories all over the world. And I have a friend and, you know, shout out to Kristen. She gave me um, links to what little people stories from Europe. And I was like, holy shit, there is like, it's super complex, these stories, you know? And I had a Comanche person tell me, a lot of information about um, little people in, you know, Comanche, you know, our stories. And I was like, man, this is super complex. Like, this is the most complex little people stories I've ever heard. But then I saw the, the European little people stories and I was like, this is even more complex, right? <laughs> There's whole communities of them. Some are hairy, some are like four feet tall, some are like 12, you know, 12 inches tall, whatever. And, um, you know, I, it's weird because like, you know, it's not like, you know, there's some phenomena where like, 
you know, or like, you know, it's not a phenomenon where like Europeans brought these stories. We've had these stories and they had those stories and people in Asia had these stories, you know. So I, you know, one thing that I will say is that, you know, you don't talk negatively about them. Never. Right. And everything we do on the show is out of respect, you know, put that out there. But um, yeah, one thing about, about Wendelin's story is um, that I was told by the Comanches, by a Comanche person, and she told me not to use her name, right? But um, <laughs> <laughs> she said she that, <laughs> that they, yeah, they take kids or they trade, right? So they replace mm. a regular kid with a little, you know, little person. So, you know, I don't know why they do Are that. Are you saying that my brother... It's not him anymore. This whole time, I haven't had my brother. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, like that, that. That you know, it's funny, Wendelin. That that um, that dream, or that dream you had, that's not the first time hear me hearing about that, right? And like somebody dreaming that, right? So that was right. pretty. It was pretty interesting, you know, Ooh. and even my wife's family. Um, when I went to visit them in Mexico, Michoacan, they're called Chenecas over there. And um, they claimed, her family claimed to see, has seen them, like saw them, you know? And they claimed to record it on the phone, but then the phone broke, like right after that, you know? Like the phone died or something won't turn on. I was like, uh, you know, like, oh. it's also like a story like, you know, our little people and technology, like they're more advanced than us. Like that was told by this, by a Comanche person, you know, that they, they're they more technologically advanced than we are. So, mm. you know, um, but let me see real quick what I have here. So there's different things. There's like leprechaun, hobbits, gnomes, elves, dwarves, trolls, pygmies, greys. I guess the aliens, right? Shrubs, fairies, and all these things are could be considered little people, you know, like Rupestilskin uh, or whatever, you know, you mm-hmm. know, um, Tinkerbell, whatever. So like... For us, it's taboo to talk about, but in Europe, they do have like these stories. So it's like, to me, what's the difference? Why, even even over there, you have to be respectful to 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 you know, speaking about little people. But like, um, they're more open about it than we are, you know. So, Robin, do you have any insights mm. or words? Yeah, let's see. I. Uh... You know, you guys have more poignant stories than I would. I kind of have more smaller experiences, like in a day-to-day thing. So, um, before Whoa, we start recording. Again, multiple. Again, multiple yeah. experiences. <laughs> what is happening over there? <laughs> um, well, so, like, Rick, had, Rick and I were talking beforehand, like, what does this look like? like in a day-to-day thing and we were kind of talking about like how how do we start talking about this and how do we not invite this like negative aspect into our life and and the possibility of the negative aspect so one of the things that like I tend to experience is of course you'll hear this from other cultures is I've things disappearing a lot of the time and this is actually more a few years ago I have, uh, and I, I have keys, looking for keys, phone, looking for phone, anything small, that's kind of essential, and I need it for that day, or it's like, so immediate need, I need it right now, can't find it, looking everywhere, can't find it, 
you know, kind of starting to think I'm crazy. Like, oh, maybe I lost her. Maybe, you know, it dropped on the road after I got off the car or something. After half hour, after hour, way past whatever thing I was supposed to do, you know, I'm just like, okay, I'm not going, I'm not leaving, I can't find this thing. It's sitting right in front of me, you know, like on the table, like very plainly, like placed Mm. in front of me. You know, that happens quite a bit. You know, that has happened to me a few times. And I'm just like, okay. (laughs) And I usually tell my mom about this. I, I, uh, I live in my mother's house on the reservation. And I really respect her and consider her an elder. Um, she had me late in life, so she's um, almost into her 70s. And so I'll talk to her about this because she's one of my more immediate connections to what we would call like our the older parts of our culture. And, you know, she brings up the little people. And a lot of the times, at least from her perspective, from what I hear when I interpret, she kind of says, you need to slow down, you know. Like, you need to take this time. And it's almost like if you have that window open where you're just, like, you're not concentrating on the things that are important. And if you're kind of like, I need to go now. I need to do this. You know, like, you're too busy or, like, maybe your focus is a little off because you're too busy. It's, like, making you slow down. It'll make you sit. It'll make mm. you think. And then it'll it'll present itself to you. And you're almost like, okay. You know? <laughs> And you, you either have to take it in a stride of, like, a lesson learned, or you could go crazy from it. And I think that's kind of, like, where it, it differentiates, where the difference comes in. It's like you can either take these interactions with little people as lessons, or you can use it as an excuse. Not really an excuse. Or it could be used as a way to make you feel crazy. You know, make you feel like something's going on. You can get into that deep hole. So I try to always frame it in that mindset of like, okay, I need to slow down. I need to really think about what I'm doing. Um, And it's just a reminder of keeping a focus on what's important. Um, At least that's what it it is for me. My mother has other very more terrifying stories about (laughs) (laughs) which I I don't feel at liberty to share, but um, you know, and that's in terms of actually seeing them, having family members see them. It's usually in our closed area of the reservation. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that was my own personal experiences. And this is, again, multiple times it has happened to me, not lately, but on a more immediate level, you know, I had talked about having the podcast, or the Little People podcast, and no one had outrightly ever told me, like, maybe you shouldn't do that, or maybe that's not something that you should be concentrating on because uh, you could be inviting these things into your life. And uh, sorry, if you excuse me, I have my mask on as I'm also doing this, but um, no, that's okay. You stay safe. Okay. (laughs) And I have a co-host. Her name is Lucy and people have told her these things. And so we were actually projected to start on Halloween because we wanted to keep within, you know, the the scary season. And this seems like an applicable place for our show to start. Our show to start. But it's just like sometimes I don't want to attribute it to the subject matter. But, you know, we had personal issues come up. We had professional issues come up. We had just 
continuous scheduling conflicts. So I want to say this is actually the first time I've ever been able to really devote time to this newer podcast because I feel like is that not an influence maybe we're, we're, we're little people not wanting to be talked about at that sense at that time, you know, could this mm. have been uh, something attributed to um, the subject matter? Like, is this a result of trying to talk about little people or perhaps the approach I was going for wasn't the right approach. And I feel like this is actually a great way to, to take that correct approach and I'm glad that I have like Rick and uh, Paulino and uh, Wendell in here to actually open this up because then it can serve as um, a respectful way to talk about it. Um, and I will say, I have to admit that like we did kind of wanted to approach it from a, like a scary point of view, like, Ooh, this is scary. But you know, now the more that I think about it, I was like, maybe that's not the right way. Maybe that's why I kept having all of these roadblocks in the way of why it hadn't happened yet you know, or why I hadn't been able to have the time to do it. Maybe I wasn't doing it correctly. And um, so I just thought I'd share that. <laughs> but uh, like I said, uh, majority of my instances have been like short and numerous, losing things, you know, stuff like that. But I haven't had anything as poignant as like having dreams and, um, you know, other things like that. But anyway, mm. that's my story. Yeah, you know, it, that's, that's one thing that uh, I, you know, I keep encountering is people, um, I don't know, like, uh, are really, you have to be really careful how you speak about it. Um, I just feel like, you know, this is like a, a worldwide, worldwide phenomenon. I think that it's hard because like, you know, when I, so I was, I went online and Going online to find anything native is the worst thing in the world, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so don't, 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 like, you get us started. Like, it's wild. Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, nonsense online. So, so I was Googling little people and nothing came up. And I was like, okay, well, maybe that's for a reason, right? <laughs> <laughs> but then the first thing that came up, like, after, like, I think a good month of, of like, looking, looking at stuff, there were some videos, but it was, they were, like, really, like, low budget like something that could have recorded on the phone right like just somebody telling a story but mm -hmm. there's a Comanche website about about little people but it's really i think i sent it to you guys it's, it's kind of like old it's like 2012 right but <clears throat> i think the first one that was really good was from your podcast the wounded right podcast and i was like oh okay cool and like, this this is this is finally somebody covered it you know in a respectful way you know um and I think other than that, I mean, there's a lot of European info about little people. I mean, there's a ton of it online, but nothing specific for each tribe other than Comanches. For some reason, one Comanche, I don't know who posted it. He made a website or she made a website, you know, whatever, um, about the, the about, you know, Comanche little people. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but, you know, it's there mm. and people can, can find it if they know what little people are named in Comanche. But, um yeah, I mean, it's for specific tribes, like there is nothing like out there. And I, I'm kind of glad, right, that that is out there. Maybe it's not out there for, for people to find. But mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think, um, you know, but, you know, we have these conversations on the podcast different from like, you know, like somebody putting everything about their tribal stories about little people is different, you know. But I think, yeah, I mean, like you guys have thoughts or... 
about the subject. No, yeah, we completely agree. I think that was one of our very first conversations we had, which is how do we make episodes on true crime and on spirits um, in a very sort of understanding way and a way where we're being very respectful. And, you know, it's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of trials and trying to figure out how to do it correctly. But I think at the end, it was sort of also the response from the Native community. You know, different tribes reached out to us and they were like, oh, well, what about if you cover this episode? I believe it was a lot of, like of young people, like young natives, who were like, cover, like cover really the spirit. Young Indians, like, ooh, cover this horrific spirit we wouldn't name ourselves. <laughs> right, and cover this horrific spirit. I wouldn't say aloud, but you should do it in your own bedroom. And I was like, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, it's been a lot of ups and downs. So at the beginning, we covered a lot of spirits that we knew about. But at the same time, we wanted to cover spirits that, like, had already been talked about in sort of a white light right Mm -hmm. and a lot of these like spirit podcasts that are done by like you know to put put it out there podcasts and different other like big big um podcasters networks they are essentially using like these websites online and not really talking to native people or Mm -hmm. have access to native communities and native elders and at the same time and so they they're putting misinformation out there Mm-hmm. about not only native people yeah. but native culture and native beliefs and at the same time i think we have the conversation of how a lot of these things sometimes are taboo and sometimes a lot of our own culture is even hidden from ourselves because of the way colonization happened and like for example my language and my culture was very hidden from me as a person till my early 20s because it was you know considered less than and not equal and so you have a lot of these stories now becoming myths, becoming taboos, urban legends, instead of becoming actual parts of our Native culture and our Native history. Right. Yeah. I'm... You totally hit it on the head. And it goes beyond like uh, like the, the, the more paranormal type conversations. But, you know, you talk about like missing and murdered Indigenous people. It goes into mm-hmm. that as well. You know, we had discussed how... <clears throat> It's usually one episode, you know, barely in an hour to talk about something huge that's been afflicting indigenous communities for uh, decades, mm-hmm. in some cases, centuries since contact, you know, these, these deep rooted things. And it goes along with our paranormal type stories, you know, these things that uh, have been in our cultures for time immemorial, you know. So uh, thank you again. Like that was like, you totally hit it on the head. Uh, these bigger podcasts who um, I think there was like a meme that was like, if I'm murdered, I hope that a white woman with a podcast can help solve my murder. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or something right. like that. It- <laughs> I want that on the most. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get, like it, it truly is 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 hilarious. It's it's ridiculous because and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to start our podcast is to Southern and and Central natives. We wanted to talk about like not only cases in the Americas but all over and talk about how similar colonization, even the effects after of colonization, still in fact like plague native people. Mm-hmm. And it, it it was just so interesting to sort of also see. The differences, and I think we talked about how in white crimes committed by white perpetrators or people of color perpetrators, we like society usually sees it as a one person 
being the evil person or being the bad person. Mm. While in, you know, crimes committed against Native people or people of color, we have to think about how it's not just this perpetrator. It's the society, the culture behind it, the colonization, the systematic racism. It's everything. And so true crime and even paranormal, you know, Native Native perspectives are completely different than what you would want for like a, you know, 15-minute sound lib for your podcast episode so right yep so we're so excited to hear your podcast too we're like oh we want to hear more stories Mm -hmm. let it not be my own home that i did in my own bedroom (laughs) now it's your own home yeah like i said we've had like one submission so far which was a pretty great submission um just to recap what they kind of said not to give away the whole one so we could put it on our our opening episode is basically it's like Thinking they hear their relative, like, in distress, hearing them oh. yell for them, mm-hmm. and then looking around, because they lived out in the country, looking around and not finding anybody, calling their relative and being like, is everything okay? They're like, yeah, everything's fine. You know, like, mm-hmm. being drawn That's to That's happened places. to me, see, not, now I'm yeah. terrified. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being drawn to other places outside of where they are, like, being taken out of their space to go into a new space either to be more vulnerable or just to uh disrupt you know what i mean mm. and um so that's, that's kind of one of our submissions and I, I can't wait to read it but it was of a, a college student which is funny because i had actually talked to her i was like you're like she was going into the medical field so i I'd tell her like i would deem you as somebody who thinks very logically and wanting to, to find the answer she's like i couldn't find one so i tried very hard i couldn't find one yeah mm. So she heard That's a what vo- we have our indigenous scientists. She had she had a, or she heard a voice and and trying to draw her Right. She heard a voice uh like calling to her and she was in her bedroom and she thought she heard her cousin like in distress. And um so she went to go investigate and you know, nothing. But of course whatever it was got her out of her space and outside in the dark. Mm. Mm. That's real. Mm, very, very That reminds me of your ancient your your alien episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, we did an episode on like star people, and um, we like I shared a lot of personal stories with star people, and I had like a lot of um, stories of other native people and the way we see the star people, as opposed to like you know cinema and Hollywood alien type of thing. Um, and it was similar, like that a similar uh, experience, I think, kind of like calling uh, a relative or a loved one or calling your name and like hearing your name clearly and like going somewhere to like get to where you heard it. And then all of a sudden, not only is there nothing there, at least that you can see, but like you're also left in a state, I think, of confusion. And like Robin said, like vulnerability where it's like, wait, what exactly is happening right now? And it's like, by that point, it's like, what have I let in? You know, like, what's come in with me? I'm going to burn some sage, burn some right. tobacco right now. Oh, yeah. So I have a question for Paulino. Um, so in your, you know, um, culture, star people and little people are different? Yes. So like in, in like the Maya, I guess, like, Cosmovision is what mm-hmm. we call our like spirituality and whatnot. It's just mm-hmm. like the cosmovision. Um, basically, there is endless amounts of spirits, of course, that inhabit all parts of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like little people, at least as we know them, 
specifically live here on this earth and they live alongside of us and they have always lived here mm-hmm. and then their leader or like their the way that they manifest which is the sipitio he himself is actually a child of the sun spirit mm-hmm. who basically cheated on his wife the moon spirit with a river spirit here on earth and when the lunar spirit found out he condemned the child and the river spirit to live here on earth for all of eternity the child being the leader of the little people hmm. um but then star people um are far more ancient beings um in the sense of like before this part of the galaxy was even created the star people already existed um so like they've already been around since the beginning of time um and i think a lot of like our teachings have been like taken and placed in like the new age movement with ideas of star people and yeah. a lot of new age like you know i guess i'm not even sure what to call that like hippies i guess and <laughs> people who are very much into like you know black and brown cultures you know i don't think they realize they're specifically really using a lot of maya teachings of star people because they're teach- they're talking about star people being these ancient beings of light like higher levels of like human spirits that have attained certain privileges and this this and that and it's like obviously they have it very twisted but a lot of those teachings come specifically from maya thoughts of reincarnation and the way that we think of our spirits uh excelling in the afterlife and the many different things that can happen to to the spirit as it continues through its own life whether it's in the human experience or not And so I think like because of that we wanted to talk about star people because it was like hmm this is a different but like equally as respected spirit that almost has like a deified presence in some ways depending on like what point of Maya history you're looking at you know what I mean Mhm Yeah the reason I asked is because I heard some people you know different when I talk to different people is that they said that little people come from the stars. So I was like, I wonder if that's the mm. same or different, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Thank yeah. Thank you for sharing that. There's one thing I do want to say, you know, I think Wendelin was talking about colonization earlier. And I think, you know, like, <clears throat> I think one observation I have is like the colonization of these stories when it comes to, mm. you know, Europeans colonizing themselves <laughs> with Christianity. You know, they had little people stories and then you know christianity came in and was very brutal you know with with you know in europe and all over the world but it kind of mm-hmm. made them make their little people stories into folklore right rather than part of their mm-hmm. culture so i think that that's <clears throat> pretty fascinating to for me for us it's part of our culture and for them it's just folklore but now i think they're trying to some of them are trying to reconnect you know those stories back to their culture and i think it's pretty fascinating too you know so yeah that actually reminds me ricardo that like when um when i was little this really really old white woman used to take care of me sometimes she like lived down the street and i don't remember like her or her house too well cuz i was like very very young i was like 4 or 5 but um i remember in the corner of her yard she had like an off limits section that she specifically always told me not to play there but when i would go over to investigate cuz i was a trifling child um <laughs> it was it was basically like a fairy garden um and there was like a bunch of like small furniture and tables and like 
houses um and like even like miniature like gardens like she would throw bird seeds so it would like it looked like gardens and stuff and i remember looking at it and being like wow like this is so cool like who's playing over here <laughs> and um she used to tell me like when she finally i used to call her grandma lee and uh i was like grandma lee like what's up over here and i remember her telling me like you know i i told you not to play over there um but since you already found out like that's where the fairies in my garden live and like it ended at that like i never questioned it again <laughs> like, oh. i was like okay like that's where the fairies live like let me not mess over there <laughs> i think that's amazing it's pretty cool you know that mm. you know different cultures have different things and yeah i was you know i was told you know to give an offering for having little people in my comics and i and i have i have it it has to be up for a month I was giving specific instructions. I don't want to give everything away, but, you know, um, I was like, you know, it's, you know, yeah, it's part of all, my family's <laughs> now, you know, culture. And I think, mm. you know, my wife's family's culture and, you know, obviously command. So, so I think it's part, they're a part of us. We were part of them. You know, we, we had to, just like any other person, we had to be respectful and treat them, you know, right. And, you know, if we, we treat them right, they'll treat us right. And that's what I was told. You know, so mm -hmm. yeah, but Robin, do you have any input? I think Robin's, is she gone? Or? Yeah, sorry, I was trying to oh. get on mute. Um, <laughs> it's uh, her, actually, why don't you continue? I'm gonna, I need to get back into my car and then I'll, I'll be more available to okay. uh, speak for more freely. Okay. Yeah, okay. Do you guys want to talk about your podcast? What, what, you know, like what made you start this what you know how did that come about our podcast came about from like we're we're, we're crafters right like we do beadwork we sew we make traditional garments we were trying to really reconnect and that's a lot of sitting and so with that with that came podcasting right and came listening to different podcasts and it came to listen to a lot of white women podcasts Right. Um, you know, like the big ones, like Morbid, um, Crime Junkie, um, the one where her voice is really nice. I forgot which one is it. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. But it's, it's a lot of nice podcasts out there, right? Right. <laughs> and as we were listening to these stories, it kind of I kind of realized that all of them were about white people. And when there were people of color, it was because like some events had just happened or it was like LGBTQ month or it was like, that's when we're going to focus on a specific case of a person of color. Or all of a sudden they felt pressured because BLM was getting more popular. And right. Like, uh, let's throw a black person in here just so that we look like we care. And, <laughs> yeah. and so it was really, really, really interesting. And then that's when we were like, oh, well, why don't we do it? Like, why don't we get our own native stories out there? And it was like about of a ha ha he ha ha ha, like for a whole year, I think, until finally I like was like, well, I we might as well just do it. So I just invested like I think like a hundred bucks and like bought us some equipment. Um, and then I just I didn't even stop on it. I think I just shipped it over to your house because you were living in different cities. And I was just like, here's the mic, you record yourself, let's go. I was like, what's this? And um, we just started. And I think honestly, like. Um, we really thought it wasn't going to be as popular because, you know, like we were like, who are we? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and it, it has really grown. There's a lot of support from people, from, you know, Native families, Native communities, um, our own friends, of course. But now as well, it's sort of that 
recognition, you know, like where even people we we had never talked to are sort of recommending us to other native people. Mm. We have listeners in um, Australia, we have listeners in Canada, all over the Americas, in Europe, and it's it's wild because some of these stories have never been covered, ever. Mm-hmm. And it's also really hard because some of these stories we it was it's really hard to get access to. Mm-hmm. And so we're so thankful to like our supporters financially because um there's like books from like cases that happened in the eighties that you can only get for like eighty dollars or like you have to wait like over three weeks for them to be shipped out because they're just so hard to find because mm-hmm. so much of these stories have been suppressed. And it's truly, truly, you know, like uh, such a humbling experience and at times so overwhelming, you know, like um, if I can speak frankly, sometimes it's really scary because I'll be going through my phone and I have so many pictures of, you know, people who have passed on my phone right. because these are people's cases we've covered. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is it is a lot to carry. So we always try to be respectful. We always, you know, do little offerings and we do little prayers for these people um, because it, it is a lot to take in that trauma, but also you know, for our listeners to to know that, to get to know cases of people of color, there aren't just blurbs for like, you know, it's Black like Black History Month or it's Native American Month or it's Latinx Month, rather than a whole podcast that they can see people that look like them and see justice at times or fight for the justice for people that look like them. Right. I feel like a lot of um, the stories we cover too, it's kind of like what, what you and Robin were saying, where it's these a lot of the people if they do get covered it's maybe like an hour or so and our episodes are the same you know usually 40 minutes an hour but i do think the difference is like we try our very best like throughout the writing recording and even afterwards to kind of have that memory of these people that we're speaking of because Mm -hmm. their families and their communities are still suffering so in such a real way Mm -hmm. and we recognize that like as much as it pains us and as much as we look through our phones now and we have pictures of like 40 different people, right? It's like in reality, it, it almost, how, how do I word this? It's almost like a daunting because it's like, wow, the 40 episodes we've covered have me mentally and spiritually exhausted because I'm pained by the truth of what's going on. <laughs> but that's just 40 people in thousands and thousands and thousands in the past 500 years. Um, and so I feel like it definitely is like very heavy, which I appreciate that we do like the spirit episodes sometimes because like, for me, I, I thought those were important because I think oftentimes they overlap, but then also, uh, it, there's networks like podcast and people that do like mythology and whatnot. And that was always what I listened to when I did feed work, but like, I'd hear them cover like some native stories. And, like, they would be stories that I'd be familiar with. And I'd be like, wait a second, that's not how I heard it. Or, like, wait a second, I think you're not supposed to say that part. Or, like, some dumb shit. And, uh, you know, they always get away with, at the beginning of the episode, kind of saying, oh, these are oral traditions, so they might not be exactly, you know, what you've heard. And, you know, I think that's real. But I think that without that connection to any kind of Native people and kind of just finding those stories online... It, it lacked sustenance and it lacked uh what's the word um it lacked like genuine genuineness yeah. uh in the sense of like when Wendy and I talk about it I feel like we almost always can relate it to something that we have in our culture and so it's like 
not only do we speak about it in a very respectful light, but then it's also like we learn, we get to learn so much more about the similarities with other Native peoples here and across the world, and also add how it affects us directly as Native people and how we have similar or almost identical stories, you know? Mm-hmm. And usually, like, whenever we're covering a new region or a new Native people, we always do, like, the first 15 minutes as a historical background because mm-hmm. it's so important. Mm-hmm. And it has caused so much frustration and anger for me from, like, other podcasts that I really enjoyed that I can't listen to anymore because it was through these cases that from things, like, tribes and nations they have covered that in a simple google search you learn a lot of the no-nos you're not supposed to do when mentioning like dead relatives or mentioning certain tribal things and these are like you know just right there on google <laughs> like you don't it's not like a deep search and they completely omit that you know they completely bypass yeah. that so it, it was truly truly frustrating because we try so hard to not to be you know be respectful have give space and, you know, obviously there's still people who, you know, might not like our, our episodes or might not agree. Um, but I think it, it, it was really great for us to get that response from a lot of young natives who were so, you know, happy to have that representation in the podcast. You know, here's other two totally. native people talking about, you know, our own spirit stories and our own cases. And people like reach out and want to talk about certain spirits or certain true crime cases because it's so nice to hear that perspective. Yeah, Thank I, you both for yeah. sharing that. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with your life experience um, and even just the way that you speak and carry yourself. You already have that um, like authenticity to what you're saying. You're not just saying it so you get some good ratings or anything like that. You're saying it because, you know, these stories are important to you. And, you know, like you said before, some of these, uh, you know, I also beat work and I also used to listen to those same podcasts, you know, (laughs) and it's because it's the only thing that was out there, you know, and it's like, okay, I enjoy true crime. I enjoy these things, but it was the only thing available. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like, I would listen to a different one had there been a different one that perhaps appealed to me more in a cultural level and at a personal and even spiritual level. So I, I want to just commend all of us here at the table who are changing that narrative. Um, and so that, you know, we can bring the respect and authenticity to these stories and uh, especially like honoring those and approaching it in a very respectful way. Because like you said, you, you make your offering, you say your prayers, you, do, you approach it in a good way, not because you're like, ooh, this will give me the best rating, you know, or it'll appease the, the BIPOCs or anything like that. No, it's mm. just because, you know, it's a shared experience and it's like, these are important for me to get out. And I really loved hearing, like, how you guys came up with all of that. Like, that, that really makes me feel good because I, I feel like it was a similar experience that, you know, me, that myself and Rick had gone through and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's all I want to say for now. <laughs> and isn't it wild that we, like, all four of us have to have these, like, internal conversations with ourselves to do it? Yeah. While, like, white yes. podcasters just, like, are like, let's go, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. One of the, the ones that actually inspired me, you know, like, we're actually two people. So one, of course, was Rick, because he just went for it. Like, uh, he was probably my role model at the time, because 
you know, I never thought about podcasting and I, I didn't think that was a realm that I could be in. You know, I, I thought maybe I had to be invited or any of those other things. And he just like went for it. <laughs> and so uh, it reminded me a lot of listening. I don't know if you guys listen to like Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, he, uh, he does a lot of like branding and things like that. And, but he talks about like creating content. He was like, it needs to be created. It doesn't matter where it's coming from. Just keep creating content. You don't have to have everything perfect. Nothing has to be perfect. You just needed to get it out there because somebody's looking for it. And um, that really spoke to me. And then, you know, seeing Rick do that, I was like, you know, we don't need these huge, huge budgets. And I love that you also talked about, like, I had $80 and I was able to buy some equipment. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, um, it was the same here. Like, I, I bought a little microphone and, you know, I, uh, I was a student at UW. And so, you know, I was able to use, uh, like, student discount type things. And I just use the best of my ability to uh, get equipment going, to, to subscribe to different um, websites that help with podcasting, you know, stuff like that. And I was just like, hey, let's just do it. And I, and I love being able to find other podcasters and other hosts who were willing to jump on board with that, even if it meant that we don't have any funding or if it doesn't, if it meant, but it's just us talking. We just we're all realized that those the stories need to get out. And we're the only ones that can tell it. Mm. Yeah, I agree. To that, Robin. I think, I think, you know, yeah, for me, it was just like, you know, I was having really awesome conversations in academia, you know, and it was hard for me to find them. Like whenever I Google something, you know, and I, could, I couldn't find them online. And I was like, well, we're having these conversations in academia, like, but I can't find them online. I was like, I need <laughs> so many reason why, why I made the podcast. Right. I was like, dude, we I'm, we need to have these stories out there. And why we need to criticize, you know, like say anthropology, right? Or race shifting, whatever the stuff I talk about. And you know, and and yeah, mm. I mean, like we, I got heat for this my topics for I talk about because it's very in academia. We you know criticism is always taboo, but you know, I think we need to keep telling our stories and people and i also have people tell me like the non-native people this is not all types of non-native people not just white people but you know say like i don't understand this part like this is why i don't listen too much because i don't understand this but if you don't understand something you should ask what do you mean by this yeah. you know and why what right. does this term mean so you understand now i know even now i'm still like growing like you know like now i have you know, when, when I, when I make syllabus for, you know, um, um, you know, topics now I'm like, okay, if we say this term, you know, like ask the guest to define what that term means for them. Right. So, you know, we, I don't know, it's just, it's, we have to, and it sucks because like, we want to have a conversation with ourselves. We understand ourselves, but we also want to reach out to the different populations to, for them to understand us. Right. So we can, you know, kind of like build a bridge between communities. And this is what the podcast was for, too, to build a bridge. But, yeah, man, like, I think, you know, we, I think you guys are doing a good job. I mean, like, I, I heard your podcast about little people and I was like, good. <laughs> you know, mm. like, I, I subscri uh, subscribed on uh, Spotify and I was like, you know, when, they, when you guys come out with stuff, I'll listen to it, you know. And um, nice. yeah, so it's, it's one of those things that I, I rarely subscribe to podcasts. Yeah. So, you know, it was just well, we're honored you yeah. subscribe to us. Robin's <laughs> podcast <laughs> and your podcast. And I have like one more. So 
<laughs> so yeah you know this kind of makes me think of like our conversation in the last episode as well that we just did on like human zoos together because it makes me think about like i forget who brought it up someone brought up like how do we i think it was you um rick saying how like the how was it the the way we decolonize anthropology and oh, i yeah. feel like even this is like a good way where we ourselves as indigenous people are actively choosing to record ourselves and our conversations and our stories, the way we see them fit being told. And that alone right. is so powerful, you know, as recordings for the future, for future generations to be able to listen to. This is what, you know, a couple of Indians from these different tribes were thinking at that time. Yeah. How has it changed since then? How has our culture evolved? What do we see the same? What was it that was going on at that time that made them think that way? Like, I feel like there's so much power in us doing it that and it being recorded, being something that can be preserved and passed down, not just us, but like all Native people and Black people right now yeah. across the world that are, you know, actively recording themselves and their stories as we're living them. Like, I don't know, there's just so much, so much power to that. I love it. I agree. Work. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we, yeah, so people that are listening, we are, we recorded an episode about human zoos with Wounded Podcast, and you, I found you guys on Spotify. I don't know where else you guys are on, you know, other platforms. We are on Spotify, Apple, Buzzsprout, on our website, WoundedPodcast.com. Um, and we always Stitcher. It's Stitcher as well. We're like everywhere. Um, we're also now on Amazon too. Amazon Music. Um, <laughs> you said we're just everywhere. We're everywhere. Let me tell Good. you, I can try to just I like little people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both are really short. We are. I'm five two. I'm like five five. I'm five. Oh, look here, Ricardo, the outlier here. <laughs> He's like average. average I'm 5'8", right? so yeah, I'm pretty average. I'm not tall. But that short. terrifies me, the fact that you heard footsteps. That terrifies me, because sometimes I'll be laying in my bed, because this house is from the 1960s, um, and not the best people lived in this house. And, like, last night, I literally thought I heard people walking on my roof. And I was like, that's me being wild. Go to sleep, Wendy. It's like 2 a.m. But now I'm like, hmm. That's me whenever I hear anything. Like, truly, at the end of the day, I'm like, well, none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on, spirits. Do your thing. And I'm just like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I also think that in different times of our lives, we are either opened or closed to, like, having those experiences. Um, at least that's how I think that like however we are spiritually can kind of actually um, like ignite it or like kind of like put out that fire and um, I know that my you know as my grandparents and then my grandmother get older when she does have similar experiences they are more meaningful because they're less frequent you know and I will say that um, and I've said this before uh, to in other conversations, just that like particularly my tribe, the Yakima Nation. You know, we've been published in many different books, and you know, anthropologists come by. But what I find interesting is that books and things, even like anthropological books, they call us dreamers. You know, like drummers and dreamers. And um, a lot of it is mm. because we do give a lot of weight to dreams. And you know, that's, that's something that kind of sticks out, you know, as, as a tribe is like dreams are important to us. And, 
So, like, I, you know, if we go into other paranormal type things, you know, I've had plenty of dreams. And um, I think I was just watching, like, like, I'm a sucker for, like, those Anglo-type his- historical about the Tudor houses and all that other stuff. Um, so I was watching, I had, like, a Spanish princess on stars or something. I was like, oh, what's this? And I was watching it. And they had, like, an interaction with, like, a, a Scottish rebel. And the woman was trying to say, I need to talk to, you know, my husband and, and uh, the only way that they would ever let her talk to her husband, who seemed to be like persona non grata at that point, is because she had a dream. And they're like, oh, well, you had a dream. All right. You're in. You know, it's like and that <laughs> well, I, it resonated with me because I was like, you know, dreams have more weight than our waking life when it comes to our culture anyway. And it's just like, OK, mm-hmm. I get that. You know, it's just like that, you know, like if you you need to have some kind of like pass and like whatever this waking life has to offer, it has to do with your dreams. And um so, like, my grandmother, if she has a dream that is unusual, you know, it comes out and she tells the whole family about it. You know, we, we all listen, we know, and we heed those dreams because it's, like, that's, that's important to us. And, and we feel like that's our connection, you know, either to the spirit realm or to other beings. And uh, that's how we know something's talking to us or, or giving us some message or something that we need to just pay attention to. And so in terms of little people, I feel like, personal experiences i feel like i've i've had more interactions with little people in dreams than i do in waking life um Um, i feel like i've I've, uh seen them in dreams or you know even if it's just like they're not doing anything they're just there and like just like reminding me like oh we're here you know like okay i'll remember to mind myself you know know, pay respects and to be you know a lot of the times i feel like they're just um pillars of like remembrance like just remember like remember whatever it is you have to remember your your respect for your culture respect for your family slow down you know those kinds of things and otherwise it's like it's either we're we're the fork in the road either you remember or you're gonna walk into some kind of disaster or you're gonna <laughs> go off you know something's gonna happen so just pay attention it's like okay all right you know so for myself those are i mean the experiences that i didn't really speak about are more connected to dreams um, mm. and, uh, like, like your mother was saying, um, Wendell and like, they spoke to her there. And, um, I think the only one that stands out to me in terms of experiences, you know, just being in my room, I've had a lot of paranormal experiences in my room in my mother's house. And, uh, we always wondered why. And because my mom lives on essentially like what they would consider new, new development, like is a new house only thing that was there beforehand were like um, either trees before that. And then after that were like fields. And then when we moved into my house, my mom told my great grandmother, like great grandmother, um, who I was able to meet and I felt privileged to be able to meet and know before she passed away. Uh, she was like, what you're living there. And she's like, yeah, why? And while it wasn't like a, a ground that had like burials or anything on it, she said it was like the pathway to the burial ground. It was like the the trail that people would take to uh, go to a cemetery. Like it was like the the cheerful trail type thing. And so while it, it's like, it, which makes you think of like just pathways are significant, you know, not even mm-hmm. like the actual establishment of a, a cemetery or burial ground or anything like that just your pathway to it and like the feelings along the way and the, you know, the sentiment on the way is important. It shows like 
how the earth is influenced by us humans and vice versa. But, mm. you know, I remember being an adolescent and I feel like I had more experiences in my early twenties and adolescent years with little people and paranormal type things. And, um, I just remember just like laying there, falling asleep, and I'd see like little, like literally little people just like dancing on my windowsill. And it was like kind of neat, but it was kind of scary at the same Wait, time. In your you dream? Know? or like, I would have run. You know, I would have run. <laughs> in your dream or yeah. awake? Yeah, it was a dream. Well, oh, okay. It was like, a, I know I was asleep, but it felt like I was awake, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I knew I was dreaming and I knew I was asleep, but it was like I was looking. And I could see my windowsill and like the, the blinds were up a little and uh, I, I could see them. They were just dancing and it's like, they weren't hurting me. They weren't doing anything, but it was, like I said, it was like terrifying yet kind of interesting and kind of neat and kind of pretty, you know, kind of beautiful at the same time. <laughs> so I was like, Oh my God. And um, sometimes when I tell like my peers or like, people in my tribe that I had that dream, they're like, you saw them. You know, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> it was more like shock, and nobody ever tells me it's bad or good, but they're just like surprised. Ah, um, you saw them. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think the topic of dreams was something I was going to cover uh, on, on the podcast before I non moved our other host, you know, and because dreams are, you're right, it's super important. When I was growing up with my family right. too, and within, within my wife, I, me and my wife wake up every day and we tell each other our dreams. <laughs> It's like a ritual. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's one of those things that, you know, um, yeah, man, it's it's part of our culture. And I think it's pretty cool that you saw, you know, little people in your dreams. I've never seen little people in in dreams, but um, that's pretty cool. Thank you for that. Mm. Oh, you don't know what you wish for, Rick. (laughs) Tonight. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, my God. Why is Wendy freaking me out? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. That's interesting, though. Like, when you were talking about dreams, like, the the way you spoke about them was so, like, I don't know, I almost got chills. Like, it's so reminiscent and similar to the way that, like, my family would talk about dreams. And, like, yeah. our book of creation um, is called, like, the Popol Vuh. And, um, you know, we, we had a, a full, like, writing system before the, the Spanish got here. And um, we had written thousands and thousands and thousands of, like, books um, in our language, and the Spanish burned most of them, um, and only four, like, still exist. And one of them is the Popol Vuh, and it's, like, the Book of Council. Um, And in the book, like, it's kind of hidden in there, but it talks very much about dreams and how, like, the entirety of Maya existence... um, is because of dreams and it starts with the creators themselves dreaming um and like wow. our dreams aren't necessarily like we, we learn them now and almost like in western culture you wake up and it's like oh that was a cool dream like it's over you know but like in my yeah. thought it's like your dream is exactly what you were living and experiencing in the other realm while your physical body slept so neither one is wow. more real than the other you know um but then you have dummies like me that like I smoke, I'm a very heavy smoker, and that's known in our culture to, like, kind of cut you from your dreams. So I don't dream often. <laughs> and I'm like, one day, one day I'll get back to that place where I'm having vivid dreams again, and I can uh, decipher them and actually listen to their me- messages, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they talk about, like, 
you know, even like there's the similarity of like movies, even if they're like large budget movies about substance use and uh, like any substance really to that dampen the human's natural ability to tap into something other otherworldly or like mm-hmm. ability or anything like that. So it's almost like either self-medicating or it could be just like, maybe that's just your protective factor. Maybe you're just like not ready yet. I'm not ready for this yet. You know, right. <laughs> what I'm gonna do. That's that's really interesting because like my my oldest sister, she could see spirits like all the time. Mm. And so like for most of her childhood she saw them. And when she was when we were like when she was well, I wasn't born there at the time yet, but when she was I wanna say like eight, my sister before me, she passed when she was a baby. Um and my sister said that she would dream of her and she said like every single night in her dream she would just play with her mm. um but then at the same time it got to be too much because it wasn't just her spirits that would come see her it was now like other people like other spirits and people would just tell her like what's been happening to them and it got so traumatic that ultimately she had to go to church she used like my mom took her to church to have that taken away from her um wow. and to like and it was like to her she says like she remembers it because the last it was the day before she was going to go to church and my my sister who had passed had come to her and said why are you like why am i not going to see you again like why am i going to see you again oh. she was like i um but it was because she was like oh like it's just too much mm-hmm. so i thought that was so interesting because it, it is like it is so to her it was scary when she had my my niece but like now my niece you know <laughs> her cute little self She's like uh, almost 13. She she don't know anything about spirit. She's like, what? No. Um, but her mom was like, no, it was so, it was so traumatizing to me. So I think it's, it's really interesting how dreams to her were so vividly. To her, it was like, it's actually happening. Like, this right. is my time. I'm going to go here. We're going to play. And like, um, so I don't, I haven't dreamt in a while. I mean, I know we always dream, but I don't remember my dreams. I know some people based off of our calendar are more like susceptible to be like, in better communication with mm-hmm. the dream world um like my ex was born on our calendar would have been for canil which is for like uh venus um and mm-hmm. that's like the that's like the perfect day to be born on for like dream communications and getting that those messages and actually remembering your experiences in dream time and like wow. it like they really like perfectly like a- exemplified that because we would wake up in the morning and they'd look at me and be like, oh, did you have any dreams? And they'd be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and I'd be like, what about you? And they would go on about like vortexes and tunnels and and the spirits wow. of ancestors and languages that they had never heard and songs they'd never heard and ritual and ceremony. And I was like, whoa, all that happened last night. <laughs> <laughs> So I have a question, Wendelin. So wow. who, who was the person that your your mom? It was your, you say your sister that your mom had to take to church. Yeah, it was my oldest sister. So my okay. older sister, shout out to Cynthia. She won't listen to this because she's fake. But still, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Um, <laughs> she is the one that um, had that ability okay. um, to be mm-hmm. able to communicate with spirits um, very, very well. Um, and but it became so terrifying for her. 
um, what's it called? Because she couldn't control it, and specifically because it wasn't just like the people she wanted to see. She would tell me that she would be sleeping at night and she'd be falling asleep, and all of a sudden there'll be like people like screaming at her ears, like telling her what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was. I think it was terrifying, but. Um, and then my mom took her to the church to take her away. But my mom had, I think, at that point, converted to Christianity, which I kind of didn't really bring up. But that's what, to me, was so interesting because my mom, my mom, my grandparents were born in the village, but my mom was born in the city. And at that transition time period, people, again, were not allowed to speak traditional language or traditional clothing or essentially your culture. So, like, even my cousins who are born in the United States, they haven't gone back to our village but mm-hmm. I never went back to my village because my mom converted to Christianity and she went once and she never went again. Mm-hmm. But her siblings took their children back to see where we come from. So, um, and it's always because of Christianity. But at the same time, though my mom is like, like avid Christian, you know, she still, when my sister told her about that dream with the little people, my mom was like, okay, let's go. Let's dip. You know, like, <laughs> like that's so, the last point. That's the last point. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she was like, let's go. No, no, no. Um, which is so interesting, right? The complexities of Christianity and Native people. How yeah. in a lot of, specifically in, in in like South America, Central America, the Native people used was that they put their own, you know, spirits and their own deities and their own creators in combined with Christianity and Catholicism mm. yeah. to be able to survive, you know, their cultures. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I was just, thinking of that exact same like connection of um, Christianity or Christian influence as well as the colonial influence of um, the more spiritual realm of indigenous people. And a lot of it is because they couldn't understand it or they were scared themselves of what either they witnessed or experienced. It was almost like that's, that's why there was the, the Indian Laws Act. Like it was illegal, at least in the United States, to practice your Native religions, and my my grandparents, my mom, my mother, and my grandma always used to say it's because they're scared of it. They're scared mm-hmm. of how are they feel when they oh, see it or witness it. So you have like the ghost dance, and you have even just regular uh, you know ceremonies and things like that because it's not understood or because they feel the power from it when these people you know were present in it. You know they're like oh this needs to be outlawed because they couldn't control it. You know, and so about the control. So they're like, can't control it, got to outlaw it. And I sometimes I wonder, you know, I do know that sometimes even the approaches that we take sometimes to remedy the power that we feel from these are if they're not influenced by that Christianity or that Christian fear of like what it feels like and what it is. Whereas like I feel like we had practitioners, we had experts in these like spiritual realms who would be able to guide us through those types of things or have some like advice. But of course, because it was outlawed, it's like we did, we're like starting from the beginning, I guess, mm. like trying to interpret these things ourselves. Like, what does that mean? Um, and and I feel that also gives like more clout to dreams because I feel like that's a, like maybe one way a connection to that like older spirituality is like, well, you know, a dream let me know that this is happening or this is happening or yeah, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I have something to say, but I think I want to pause record before I want to say it. So can I pause real quick? Yeah. 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 
We're really we're dying here, but yeah, we have we have a couple for our Patreon. We have to produce, so okay. We're so, like, yeah. Well, so we'll close up. I record. I start recording, so we'll, we'll close up. And um, we appreciate your okay. time. And Robin, do you want to have any closing words? Okay. Or oh, who's closing out? You or me? Yeah, you you can do it. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> Wanna go ahead? Okay. So as we're gonna close out this episode, you know, we wanna encourage any listeners, we wanna encourage everybody really just to give thanks for their current health, um, give thanks for their water and you know, as well as do what you feel is your protection. And that could be uh, praying, that could be smudging, um, giving offerings, because we want to, again, show that we have respect for these entities, that we have respect for each other and other humans. Um, so I just want to say uh, which is just thank you in our, uh, the Yakima language to our guests today for sharing that and um, much like we talked about before, it's it's vulnerable. You know, we're making ourselves vulnerable, but we also want to do it because we want other people to know, you know, the lessons that we have learned from these experiences. And um, some are good, some are bad. But uh, I just want to say thank thank you to Wendelin and Paulino. Thank you to Rex for uh, hosting this and for bringing me into this fold because really it was Rex who kind of reached out and uh, found this this wonderful groups, these wonderful podcasters who I just learned are just machines and they're like constantly uh, getting out content. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> but again, thank you all for uh, being a part of this, sharing this, uh, our own way of making history, you know, our, our own way of conveying our, our history and our, our likenesses and our cultures. Um, I respect you both and I send you both like good feelings and send you both light and send you both um, just I hope you guys have a great day and a great week and the rest oh. of 2020 I hope it's all great for the world so do you guys have any closing words Aww. wow that was so sweet thank you so much <laughs> got me almost in tears <laughs> oh so sweet but no uh, you know thank you and the Maya Chorti language uh, to both of you for having us here. This was our first like collab with other folks. And I think there was so much beautiful conversation, but I think overall the experience of like recording these episodes with y'all um, who I feel like have such similar, I don't know, like similar life stories, but then similar like Views. Uh, ideas and views and, and like, similar reasons for doing this you know <laughs> your own podcast like it's also similar that I'm like it's kind of this felt so natural it's like we always do this you know <laughs> it's like oh yeah we're just doing our everyday podcast with our two homies like I loved it I really did so I appreciate y'all and, and all the medicine and, and love that you brought to this and I hope we were able to bring some of that as well to this conversation yes thank you so much um Ricardo and Robin Thank you for your kind words. I can't say thank you in Quechua because we don't have a word for thank you. We're just taught that we're supposed to just, you know, be reciprocity <laughs> to everybody. Um, but now there's a word for it, but it's like very debated. So that's why I always say tupanachiskama, which is until we see each other again. Um, 
what's it called? Um, but thank you so much again. You know, this is our first collab, like Paulino said. We learned so much. Honestly, like your love and your dedication for your own podcast and the amount of episodes this podcast also has, by the way. And right? such yeah. such a range of, of topics and the time to do it. Like, thank you all so much for your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you so much for reaching out to us. Like, to me, I still feel like we're just like, Two little, two little dumb little kids. But as always, we're, we're always so humbled by you know your response and your care for our work. You know, it that means the world to me. Um, so thank you. We, we love to, we would love to do this again. That'd be dope. Yes, maybe about dreams. Yes, I agree. Yes, please, Rick. I, yeah. You know what I hope today? I hope that Rick does not hear footsteps again. <laughs> Rick, I am putting it out there. Please. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah but yeah so thank you for coming on um don't hang up i want to you know ask ask you one question before i hang up and then you know but i i, I thank you for coming on the show i appreciate it and uh, um yeah thank you <laughs>